Yo, 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 it's your girl and boy CT. I'm Cindy Barnes. And I'm Travis Barnes. And we are the founders of the Overcomers Podcast. The Overcomers Podcast is designed to help you overcome adversity and live your dreams. Every week, we will be sharing stories of people who found their strength in their struggle. The Overcomers Podcast is sponsored by Journey 333. And that's a lot of threes, so let me tell you what it is. It's fitness, coaching, and nutrition. It is a place where we help you to look better, live better, and feel better, and it is mind, body, spirit. Today, we're going to help you get your mind right with our special guest. Hello, Overcomer Nation. I have an awesome topic to discuss with you today, which has to do with healing from trauma. Today, I have special guest with me, Jimmy Toro. Uh, he's an American contemporary, internationally acclaimed artist, author of the new book, Heal. He's a founder of a nonprofit, which is Rescue 11. Uh, his mission with that nonprofit is to pr protect children against predators. Um, he's also a composer. He's a music producer. Jimmy has spoken at numerous events uh, and mental health panels, including the 2023 NBA All-Star event. So he's created art for various charity-related projects with Rescue 11, Susan G. Komen Breast Cancer Foundation, Boys and Girls Club of America, Make-A-Wish Foundation, Habitat for Humanity, and the Orange Duffel Bag Initiative. So, Jimmy, thank you for all that you're doing in the world, and thank you for being on our show today. Oh, I, I'm glad to be here. I'm, I, I appreciate you giving this uh, subject a platform. I really oh. do. Well, it's an important subject to have a platform for. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I really want to... Uh, First, ask before we dive into the book that uh, what has been your inspiration to make such a deep commitment uh, and become such a evangelist and uh, a proponent for this subject? Probably, probably similar to yours. You know, you go through really tough things and you figure out uh, the hard way, which is usually the only way mm -hmm. to get through them and to overcome them and to. Um, let's say take a weakness and turn it into a strength yeah and, uh, well if you can do that and you see many around you suffering with the inability to do that well you want to help yeah that's really good you know i believe that we don't go through anything significant unless it's to be a benefit to other people so mm -hmm. it's uh, that's perhaps part of the healing process is when we get to turn it around and say you know what if <laughs> yeah. what if past built muscles instead of scars you know what if i can help other people mm -hmm. with these moment so exactly. um let's talk a little bit about uh something that you said off air and i think it's a, a perfect segue to the book but uh, you're still carrying around trauma you haven't really healed from it right so um yeah let's talk about that a little bit yeah uh, you bet. it's interesting that uh if you think back on any traumatic event that happened to you that let's say currently you have some form of fear or anxiety or even depression or even worse. Uh, the body literally stores trauma when it happens to you, if you don't release it or if you don't figure out how to release it. So in my case, in my case, it was, you know, a lot of really awful things happened to me as a child. And, all right. So, so I tend to focus more on child abuse, uh, things that happened to us when we we're little. Although this applies to, you know, uh, adults as well. You, you have military folks who go into war and they come back with PTSD. You know, they, they went, experienced some awful trauma and they come back with this trauma that they hold on to. 
And uh, it's, it's, it's interesting to note that the body literally stores that trauma. Mm -hmm. and it will store it until you either figure out how to release it or um, sometimes when trauma hits you, you can release it shortly after it hits you. But the way, but the cha the challenge with children is that the one thing, if you're going through some sort of trauma or torture or this or that, the one thing you want is safety, mm -hmm. by far. Yes. And if you, so if you're a young kid and you get raped, let's say, and by an uncle or something, and you can go to your mother and she can provide you the comfort and the safety you need to not have that happen to you again, you can release that trauma right then and there because you're in a safe environment. But if you don't, you hold on to it. Like if your perpetrators are your parents or you're in a situation where the, your caregivers are the ones who are doing this to you or you're kidnapped or something like that, your body literally holds on to the trauma. And, and it's not, it's all of it. Mm -hmm. It's not just the memory of it that you hold on to. You hold on to the fears, the, the awful emotions of it, when when trauma happens to you a, a panic happens to you in this fight or flight thing the hormones dump into your body and adrenaline cortisol etc well that's necessary because it 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 allow, it gives you the ability to fight or flight and often freeze to get out of danger well all of that is stored into your body and in a, in a classic case of ptsd where that stored in your body comes back to you later in adulthood when it comes back, it all comes back. Every bit of it. The memory, the sights, the cells, the smells, the sounds, the fear. If you're being tortured as a kid, when that comes back, that that fear comes tumbling right back into you 100%. And all those hormones rush back into your body. You experience it all. And so, well, that might be, let's say, a major situation, but <clears throat> on a more minor situation, people who walk around with anxieties and fears, they are most likely holding on to some sort of trauma as well. And it's more like a slow drip. You know, every day they experience that anxiety. But still, the process is to figure out how to get it out of your body. And if you can do that, it, it literally is no longer there. It's, the healing process is absolutely magical. Now, Jimmy, you went through some traumatic things in your childhood, didn't you? Yeah. So, okay. So think about, um, think about a classic case of a father, let's say, who beats his child. He gets angry one day and his anger, or he gets drunk and gets angry and he smashes his kid in the face, whatever. Now that's child abuse. Well, let's say that same father rapes his daughter. Well, that's worse. Mm -hmm. That's a different level of child abuse. Well, to make it worse, let's say that same father uh, farms his kid out to other abusers. That's even worse. Or let's say that same father rapes his child and enjoys it. Well, now you get into the really low level of the sadist. You know, a sadist definition of a sadist is somebody who enjoys inflicting pain on another person. And these type of child abusers are the worst sadists. They're, they're, they're the ultimate cowards because they pick on little kids who can't fight back mentally or physically. And these uh, individuals, you, you have lone individuals who do this, like a serial killer, et cetera. You have these predators who organize in different types of groups. So one type of group would be like a classic brothel. So if you're a brothel owner, your, your clients are typically men. They pay you money 
You go into a room and have sex with a woman. That's a typical brothel thing. Well, these types of organizations exist with little kids mm. and, and, and these awful pedophiles and whatnot. And they have their preferences. You know, they're, hey, oh, today I want to pay for and order a four-year-old blonde boy with blue eyes mm. or a six-year-old Asian girl. It's so creepy what they do. And uh, so these types of organizations are there to make money. And they do. And they absolutely ruin kids' lives. Uh, most pedophiles prefer kids like from age four to age 10. And so, well, if a kid ages out of one of these organizations where they have these kids captured, or sometimes um, for big dollars, for, for the worst creeps of the creeps, they are allowed to kill the kids. And they take the kids and they harvest their organs to make even more money. Mm. And so it's so awful. Well, if these kids are either aging out some few escape and then some die for awful reasons well these organizations they have to replenish their products it's more kids and so they wake up every day figuring out in in communities like yours and mine figuring out how to steal abuse and and otherwise to your children because they have to keep keep doing this well there's another type of organization which are more like the religious cults right mm -hmm. And they get together and they do their religious cultist things. And that this has been going on for centuries. And central to most of these cults, or many of these satanic cults, is the abuse and sacrifice of children. And so they have the same dilemma, let's say, where if they sacrifice a child, they have to replace that child. And so I was involved at an early age in, in that scenario. From about age three to age eight, I was... Um, my parents were my, mostly my dad was part of that uh, uh, in a little town in California was part of a ring of these adults who got together and they had their rituals and their cultish stuff. They wore their white robes and they did their traditions and whatnot. And once again, central to their uh, rituals was, was the abuse of children. And you might say, well, why, why did they, why, what drives an adult to get to that base of a level to where they will abuse a child? Well, you have to understand that they enjoy it mm -hmm. and they are addicted to it. So for a, a quote from a child abuser, an awful pedophile is, I am master manipulator. I manipulate children and I manipulate adults. I was a father, a son, a brother, an uncle, etc., And nobody knew that I wanted to sexually abuse and dominate that little five-year-old girl. Yeah. It's awful. And from another... The things that you're sharing, it just shakes me to my soul, you know, just uh, infuriates, you know. Oh, it's, it does. Yeah. It does. Um, but it's but it's important to understand how and why these, these people operate in your community so so you can be aware of them and protect your own children. And that's the, the, yeah. the purpose of the uh, nonprofit that I started. Uh, from another child predator, uh, he said... Uh, uh, a, a little child is no different to me than a ham sandwich. A ham sandwich is an object that satisfies my need for hunger. A little child is an object that satisfies my need to sexually abuse and dominate. And they, and they literally are as addicted to this as one would be addicted to cocaine. Mm -hmm. And so this type of trauma that happened to me, I, if you want, I don't know where you want to go with this, but I, I could get into some stories of what actually happened to me. But in my case, which is not uncommon, actually, uh, 
this awful stuff happened to me for about five or six years. And then all through my adulthood, I did not have any memory of it. Mm -hmm. I literally suppressed it. And it's not uncommon in these situations for male adults to have this stuff come tumbling back into their lives at around age 50. Okay. And for, for women, it seems that it comes back earlier. And so for all those years, you are literally walking around with this stored trauma and you don't even know it. Mm. You might have hints of it. You might be anxious about something and you don't know what it is. And when, when it comes tumbling back, it can be triggered or it can literally just come back randomly. Mm-hmm. Out of the blue, one day you have a memory and it just throws your life into hell. And, well, that's <laughs> that's my story and it's many, many other people's stories. And so these child abusers, not only do they ruin a little child's life, but they often ruin uh, an, that child's life as it grows through adulthood. So think about trauma as um, an event that happens to you and think about, well, it's now it, trauma is, 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 is not the event. Let me backtrack. Trauma is the wound that you carry with you. And you mentioned the word wound. And if it's not healed, it's like a wound that um, every day you wake up and you re-injure that wound. Mm-hmm. You, you, you keep aggravating that wound. And so that's really what trauma is. It's this wound that remains with you. And, and until you get rid of it and heal it, it will, it'll be there. I imagine in your life, I read a little bit about your story. I imagine in your life, you uh, walked through many years of stuff that stayed with you for years and you had to figure out how to heal through it and overcome it. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think sometimes I I have to renew the healing. (laughs) You know, I don't, I'm not really sure. Uh, You know, they talk about uh, things such as that to where, you know, you thought you totally let go of something, but then it uh, rears its head again and you have to check yourself to make sure you're in uh, the, you know, maintaining your transformation, you know, maintaining that uh, positive, the positive steps. At least uh, that's how it's been for me, you know. Yeah, that I would I would suggest that's how it is for most people. That one of the other challenges with with healing from your trauma, your anxiety, your depression, your fears, etc. One of the one of the big challenges is that there are a lot of opinions from a lot of professional people about how to go about this. Mm-hmm. And extreme trauma, so CPT. I'm sorry, PTSD is post-traumatic stress disorder, which you often hear with military folks. Some mm-hmm. guy's in a foxhole with his buddy and he turns over, turns uh, to look at him and his head's blown off. You know, these awful things. And it sends that person, and that's huge trauma yeah. inflicted upon that kid. And that kid often will come home and relive and re-experience that over and over and over. And things can trigger it. Uh, somebody clapping too loud can trigger that memory. And it's very real. Well, in the realm of children, the same acronym applies, except put a C in front of it, child post-traumatic stress disorder. Well, these levels of trauma get a bit of attention because they are so awful. Mm-hmm. Right? And they are a little, they're different than, um, let's say, little Susie, who some bullies pulled her pants down at recess and embarrassed, embarrassed her, and she held on to that embarrassment. Um, so... But I think this, the way of healing from them is, is and can be very similar, right? And, and we can get into that if you want, or if you have more questions about trauma, we can 
we can talk about that for a minute too well actually i was going to i'm glad you brought that up because you mentioned how society in general gives us steps that we would uh you know go through to maybe heal trauma and uh i wanted to ask you you know maybe how the way that you help people heal with the book heal <laughs> um you know how how it's different and you know your approach you know maybe a little compare and contrast and, and that kind of sure. thing yeah okay so in, in the professional realm of psychologists and psychiatrists and therapists and counselors and healers and whatnot you know a lot of opinions about that about that mm -hmm. and how, how to overcome these things how to heal from these things so if we if we reiterate that trauma is a wound we carry with us right um okay so many of these professional folks will uh focus on body work it's called somatic type of things where there are breathing techniques tapping techniques there's a popular one called emdr which is an eye movement technique mm -hmm. so so that eye movement technique was developed uh, uh, a psychologist was working with a patient who experienced trauma and noticed that when they were walking down the hallways of his office, it helped. And he figured out, oh, it's the movement. Well, where that relates is that often you, you need to go back to that event where you were traumatized, right? Well, in going back to it, you want to stay grounded in the present. You want to stay grounded in the fact that I'm sitting here on a couch in a pleasant situation, yet my mind is going back to this awful thing that happened to me. So this eye movement thing is, is just, it's, it's a physical technique to keep you grounded. The therapist will move their hand like a pendulum back and forth and your eyes follow it. And that's all that is. And, it, and not that it's good or bad. It's just another technique. Some psychologists and therapists uh, have, uh, you know, yoga type of body movement practices they advocate. Some advocate like some drama where you actually get on stage in front of an audience and you act out your trauma. Mm -hmm. personally i think it's kind of silly but you know didn't work then you have uh you know the whole spiritual healers uh nowadays more popular you have the psychedelics and you know dmt and ayahuasca etc yeah that's kind of new let's say don't i don't put a lot of faith in that to be honest but and then but it, maybe it works for some people and then you have the classic talk therapy you know where you'll sit down and you'll talk with a psychiatrist and you'll talk it out and you'll go there and so in my case, what was really fascinating, okay, so think about um, you are a driver on the bus, the adult you, and behind you, you got a whole bunch of little yous on your bus that you're carrying around with you everywhere you go. And those little yous represent one traumatic event that happened in your life. So in my case, from age three to age eight, I was abused hundreds and hundreds of times. So I didn't know this as because when the memories came back as an adult, and I started to figure out how to process these. Well, one of the challenges and tough things about this is you don't know how many little use there are. Mm -hmm. There could okay. be hundreds or there could just be one or two. Right. And you don't know the duration of it. Uh, another challenge relative to this healing process is you have a classic case of, let's say, a young girl who was raped at age four or five, right? Often that young girl will grow up into adulthood and be attracted to and date men who abuse her right and it, 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 it's like and on its surface it makes no sense it's like honey why would you date this guy he's a well it's familiar territory as awful as it is right well right. in this in this realm of trauma and healing 
uh, many people live with their trauma, like the girl who would live with that. And it's not fun. It's ugly and this and that. But you could say it's less painful than facing your trauma head on, which is where the healing happens. Right. And, and uh, oh gosh, I, I know many people and I have many friends who I talk about this with. And I was just talking to a guy the other day and he, he, he had an awful accident and et cetera, which was super traumatic. A train hit him. He almost died, et cetera, et cetera. He was in traction for like three months. And uh, to this day, if he like takes his shirt off, he feels suffocated. Or if he's under a car working because he was, anyways, related to that traumatic event that happened to him. And it happened to him as a, as a young adult. And I was talking to him and I said, well, would you rather live with this kind of uh, fear of, of suffocation and, and it, or would you, or would you, could we go there and face it, go back to that event and face it head on? You have to literally relive that again. And he said, no way. He would right. rather live with the kind of day-to-day uh, anxiety around this issue than go back and face it head on. I think many people are that way. Yeah. But it is it is in the facing of it part of it where the magic and the healing happens. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. You feel, I was going to say, do you feel that your book Heal helps people to prepare to face their trauma? Absolutely, because if if you don't understand all of this, all of these realities about trauma, um, yeah. Okay, so I'll give you an example. So. When I was age 45, which is about 15 years ago, I had, let's say, my first episode. And to describe an episode would be like a major panic attack. And it hit me out of nowhere. And, and I'm generally really healthy, can run forever, eat really well, et cetera, et cetera. I thought I was having a heart attack because nothing else made I had no memories of, of anything bad happening to me. Just the physical effects of it hit me like a brain wreck. Uh, major panic attack heart racing off off the charts complete dry mouth my body uncontrollably shaking i could not even get up out of my bed i had to crawl to the floor find my cell phone call 911 have an ambulance come it's like two in the morning i go and and the pain is i literally feel like i'm dying Mm -hmm. really barely i mean i could barely figure out how to stay alive and um rushed to the hospital they went put me through all the tests most because much of the pain was around my heart and at the end of that, you know, hey, Jimmy, you are healthy as can be. We find nothing wrong with you. We have no idea what happened. Oh. Well, that began a 14-year journey of these types of episodes, probably two or three a week. Wow. And in those 14 years, I had no memory of abuse. And during those 14 years, I saw so many doctors. I saw so many naturopathic doctors acupuncturists, spiritual healers, the whole gamut. And not one of them said to me, hey, this could be trauma re-emerging in your life from when you were younger. Not one of them. And yet that that really what was going on. Then then at the beginning of last year, 2022, I had another one because kind of get used to these as awful as they are. Um, and the first memories came back. And I thought what I was going through was awful. <laughs> And when the memories came back, holy hell, um, 
they were worse. And so, any, so, so through that period, I studied and learned and studied and learned. I have, I probably have more education than somebody goes through eight years of college because I just drank this stuff in. And uh, well, when the memories came back, it took me a little bit, but I was able to get with a psychologist who specialized in what they call SRA, sexual ritualistic ritualistic abuse. That, you know a unique a unique brand of abuse let's say and through her and she was wonderful um i learned how to heal now there of all the books i read and i read everything out there the best one if anybody's interested is a book called the body keeps the score and it's by a dr van dr vander kolk i think it's k-o-l-k and in that he he's a he's a psychologist who's worked with patients for 50 years and he explains how the body stores all that trauma can you can you start back at the sra for me sra is a is a particular brand of child abuse so sexual ritualistic abuse and uh it's possibly uh one of the worst out there let's say um so let's jump from that into the healing process how it worked for me and uh yeah just curious if you don't mind sharing yeah what was that first memory that came back to you that like oh my god you know like why am i remembering this stuff now you know yeah so uh <laughs> i'm sure that's not easy no that's fine um i can remember all these events they don't have the ill effect upon me that they used to because I've healed from them. Mm-hmm. And so I can talk about them. You know, they I get sad sometimes, but you know, sadness is an interesting emotion. It's not necessarily a good or bad emotion, you know. It's 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 not happiness and joy, but it's also not, you know, revenge and and anger and all that those bad emotions. It's like an interesting emotion. Okay, so when the when I figured out how to go back to these memories, um, the the process, and I'll get into some of these memories, what happened. So, so, so the first part of my book explains everything we've talked about: trauma, what it is, how it stores in the body, how it resurfaces, how and why it is suppressed, et cetera, et cetera. And then the last half of my book are twenty-two stories out of hundreds of things that actually happened to me and how I went back and healed them. And it, it is in the healing that it's a magical process. Um, and, okay, so keep in mind that when you go back, in my case as a little child, when you go back to that little child, um, you are literally feeling as an adult everything that little child is feeling at the moment of the torture. Mm-hmm. You're feeling you're feeling everything you're feeling that okay so in one story let's say i was um these creeps are very imaginative like uh, like if you imagine a good torturer you know who's good at their craft you know they get clever with how they torture humans and they also torture humans up to a point right before they're killed often and then they bring them back to life that's part of one of their crafts that they do well, these creeps are similar and they love what they do. So they're very imaginative at, at the way they torture little kids. And um, so in one instance, I was, uh, me and some other little kids, uh, we were in the backyard of this kind of compound house area. And, and these creeps were all in their robes doing their things. 
and they decided to bury me and some other little uh, kids in these coffins that were in the ground. And uh, well, they put me in this coffin and in the, co well, because they're imaginative and, and just putting a kid in a coffin and bury him, it doesn't satisfy their lust for this creepy stuff. Uh, in the coffin was a dead adult body where it had been cut from its throat on down and its innards had been taken out and its ribs had been splayed apart. And so they stuck me and some other kids in, in, these, in the cavities of these bodies and then they shut the lid on you. And while you, you know, imagine how scared that is for a little kid, little four-year-old boy. And, well, you scream and you beat the top of that um, lid till your fists bleed. And, and at some point your screams are exhausted and you, you're, you figure you're just going to suffocate to death, as awful as that is. And at that moment, you know, that's bad, right? That's, that's awful what they do. And at that moment, you know, that they, they lift the lid and what do you see? You don't just see adults. You see adults laughing at you. Mm. The, you know, this is the creepy stuff they do to you. Well, okay, so in that situation, when, when, when this episode hit me, which my, my, these episodes hit me at random. It could be at two in the morning. I could be in a meeting. It, doesn't, it didn't matter. They hit. And when they hit, they hit hard. And, and so the, the best thing that this took me a, mi a month or two to figure out, but the best thing that I could do was to be working with a good psychologist. I eventually figured out how to go back to these a little bit on my own. But in all cases, the best thing that helped me when I had to go back there was to have somebody who cared about me just sitting there holding my hand. Hmm. why that's important is because well that's what the little kid wanted mm -hmm. he wanted safety and yeah. so when you go back you are literally going back as that little person and it's really fascinating because okay this stuff's happening to you and what you want to do is you want to name the emotion mm -hmm. you don't want you you do want to identify what you're remembering the details but you want to name the emotion that's more important and what are you feeling? Because you're feeling exactly what that little guy felt. And, and as an adult, you have to process it. And they, okay, what am I? I'm feeling like death. I'm feeling like I'm not going to make it. I'm feeling suffocated. And now that I identify that emotion, now I can go back and basically find that little guy. Mm -hmm. And find him right in the middle of all of that. Now, it's not my job as an adult to go rescue that little kid. Right. It is my job to help that little kid rescue himself, to aid him, to whisper in his ear, to offer suggestions, etc. Now, the magical part of all this is that that little boy can literally do anything his mind comes up with. It's like Harry Potter magic stuff, literally. Uh, in many cases, I would uh, that little kid would create like a room floating above the earth and he says i want to go to that room because that's where it's safe in all cases that little boy just wanted safety and in this case i went and found this little guy in the coffin and uh <clears throat> when those adults lifted the lid i was able to um at a point of distraction when they were distracted laughing this, uh, the adult me was able to go and whisper into that little boy's ear you know what do you want to do 
Mm-hmm. And in that case, it was fairly simple. He said, I just want to get out of here. What, what little boy wouldn't? And so he crawled out of that coffin and held on to me and we snuck out of there and we just walked and walked and walked and walked and walked. And as soon as he felt safe, all of that ugliness that was hitting me literally left me. It literally washed out of me. And that's one episode on the, my bus of Little Jimmy's that I actually healed from. I know. Uh, I was just picturing you. You, you. you gave that great analogy that you're the driver on the bus carrying a bunch of little youths. Yeah. Little youths had, had their traumatic incidents. But I was picturing you as the rescuer in that situation, you know, like you went back and re- rescued one of those little youths, you know? Yes and no, right? So absolutely, it, it is it is a task that I had to do as an adult. And it's fascinating because you go, it's, it's, you're going, you're literally going back and rescuing the little version of you. And in the mm-hmm. process of it, um, as an, the adult me is actually viewing this happening to the little me. I'm not like inside the little me's body seeing this happening. I'm viewing it from the outside. Yeah. But I'm feeling it. The, the feeling in all this is the most important part. It's the mental thing. It's the feeling. The trauma you carry, they're mental wounds. Yeah. And, and yes, sort of to your comment about I be, me being the rescuer. Yes, I had to go do that. But that little boy had to decide how he wanted to be rescued. He just had to know that he could do anything. He could make up stuff. He could. So in one instance, he was in a, he, it's interesting. I, little me, was in a room. And in the next room, I could hear other kids screaming because they they had their torture rooms. And um, my turn was next, right? And this is an awful one. And so and I'll tell, after this, I'll tell you more of a beautiful one. But um, this, and, and uh, so I get this ugly feeling coming up over me and and now i have to process what am i feeling what am i feeling what's the emotion so i can go back there and sometimes it took me days to figure this out they didn't all just happen like that and in this case the emotion that kept coming to me the trauma that kept coming to you was was sound and i and i'm like sound what is sound what is sound And, and it took me hours of being in this extreme pain trying to process what this meant and finally it came to me that well, see, some trauma can be rape and blood and torture and pain and all this stuff. Well, other trauma can be um, I'm lost or nobody's listening to me mm-hmm. or I have to carry this weight of watching a little friend of mine be tortured to the death. Um, you know, and not all trauma involves blood and pain. It involves, there's, you know, it, it can be... Um, <laughs> I want to tell somebody I want safety and nobody's giving it to me. It can be that, you know, in this case, it was sound and it took me hours of pain to figure out what that meant. And finally, when I went back there, I found this little kid and these adults were approaching him, screaming at him because he didn't want to go. I didn't want to go into that other room because I knew what was going on. And so think of like a horror movie where they, these sound engineers produce these evil sounds to, to accentuate these horror movies. And, Um, and so these imagine an adult screaming at a little kid in an absolute evil frenzy mm-hmm. just the worst cuss words just it, put your mind in the, the little kid's face and you know the spit coming off these adults and their faces and and that was very traumatic as it would be 
the threats. If you don't go, we're going to kill you, et cetera, et cetera. <clears throat> well, I went back and I found that little guy and I'm feeling exactly what he's feeling. And I whispered in his ear and I said, what do you want to do? You can do anything. And every time I did this, and I did this hundreds of times, what that little kid thought of, I had no idea. No. I just planted the seed and what happened, I sat back and witnessed it. In this case, it was an awful one. He literally reached out and grabbed the throats of those adults, ripped their vocal cords completely out of their neck. And I, I can see it to this day. I can see the blood spurting out of their uh, lower throat, you know, as they're, and and there were five of them. They all he reached out and he he killed them all because mm -hmm. he and he, he he took away their voice. Let's say, mm -hmm. and then after this blood and carnage everywhere, um, he jumped in up onto me and I held him and we walked him. Same thing. We walked out of there until he felt safe. <clears throat> as soon as he felt safety, that episode completely left my body, completely. It was gone. It was no longer stored in my body. It had been stored there for decades. And <clears throat> the little kid didn't want any revenge or anything. He, he did what he had to do. And uh, another story, which is more not so violent. Um, I went back to find this kid and, oh, man, I couldn't find him. And I had to repeat this the next day for about three, yeah, three days. Um, I have to revisit this and this stuff's not fun. And the emotion I, I finally keyed in on was this sadness. And if you've ever been sad or any of your listeners ever been sad and you imagine sadness piled on sadness, piled on sadness, years of sadness, it's heavy to bear. And I, I found myself sitting in this, this scene of like a beautiful meadow and the massive mountains, you know, this kind of epic scene you might see in a Lord of the Rings movie or whatever. And finally, I saw this little figure walking towards me in the distance. And, and, and finally, this little guy came into view, and it was little me. And he was walking straight, and his head was down, carrying the sadness. And I was going to go approach him, but I felt not to. And so I just sat there, and he walked right by me. And as he walked, I, I noticed where he was going. Where he was going was he was approaching this mother figure, this female figure, sitting at the foothills of the mountains and she was sitting there like waiting for him and so i moved closer to kind of witness this meeting when he would meet her i was curious to listen what would be said and nothing was said and that little guy literally walked right into her lap got in a fetal position and she held him mm. he didn't have that love of a mother yeah same thing as soon as she held him and he felt safe it all left me and wow. for days and hours i was in extreme pain it wow. literally all left me and i don't know if this works for everybody but i believe that it or a version of it literally can work for people who hold on to things yeah. and that's the beautiful magical part of trauma Think about it like another way of thinking about it might be this. If you take a classic story of uh, that's been told through centuries and centuries of the knight that has to go out and rescue the princess that the dragon took. Mm -hmm. Well, the knight has to decide to do this. It's, it's his choice, let's say. 
As soon as he leaves the safety of the castle walls, well, he's now in danger. He's in unfamiliar territory. There's danger. There's chaos. There's unknown. And he's no longer in a mode of safety. Behind the castle walls, he's safe with his family, friends, the army, etc. Well, he has to go face this head on. And he can't just like find the dragon asleep and steal the princess and come back. He literally has to kill the dragon. Yes. Well, the dragon is a bigger foe than, you know, it, it is the ultimate in the fear that you have to face. And the dragon most likely has killed many knights who've tried before you. But you have to kill that dragon. If you do that and you rescue that princess and you come back and, and bring her to safety in yourself, you have gone on your own heroic journey. Wow. And and facing your traumas and facing your anxieties and stuff that, that you've held on to for years or that come tumbling back into your life, it is like that. It is it is a it is your heroic journey. And well, you can decide not to do it and you can decide to live with it and live with that anxiety for years and years. And many and most do. How many people live with their anxieties and their and their traumas, these wounds they have? How many people live with them their whole lives, turn to addictions, turn to alcoholism, other forms of addiction, pornography, drugs, etc., overeating, whatever, and uh, live with that awfulness their whole life rather than face their dragon head on because it's so painful to do. And you know this. And, and, and unfortunately many turn to suicide and there's a camp there's a group of people out there especially with this trauma stuff who actually believe it's not possible to heal mm. i don't subscribe to that at all right and would you say that if you had an, an intention or a goal for your book it's to help people take their heroic journey to absolutely heal? yeah um, absolutely but it sure helps to understand what's going on yeah I mean, think about it, 14 years of, of hell and not one of these healing professionals could, not one of them even mentioned or hinted that, hey, this could be trauma coming back into your life. Well, good for you for seeing that in 14 years you didn't get the answer and wanting to be a resource for that answer because clearly it needs to be uh, more available in the world, you know, yeah. so, you know, to just put that PhD worth of research into it and, and then to be willing to be vulnerable and share your story. Um, is well, it's there... like, it, it, it's similar to your case where it's like, okay, well, if you want to write a book or do a podcast, well, go live it first. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 You know, I mean, there's <laughs> really, that's the person I want to talk to. I don't want to talk to the person that's just going to give me what they think might happen with a text. I want to talk to the person that has lived it and has yeah. overcome it. You know, yeah. Jimmy, I mean, when you've overcome, uh, there hasn't been someone on the show that's overcome the things that you've overcome. And uh, so, you know, you, you have a lot to be proud of. And, and thank you for using your experience for the benefit of others, because there's other people walking around with trauma that need to know what you know. Um, where do people go to to get more? Is there like a website? Is there any place that you direct people so that they can engage with you more or learn more from you or even just get the book yeah go to my website jimmy toros j-i-m-m-i-t-o-r-o.com and then the the nonprofit foundation i set up is rescue 11 rescue 11.org and basically what we do with that is we go into communities this is brand new because i'm just starting this we go into communities 
and we make communities aware that these predators are right in their communities and that these predators love what they do and they wake up every day addicted to stealing your child for their abuse. Um, there's a national sex offender, sex offender list that you can go on. You can look in your neighborhood. Go do it. Look in a mile radius or whatever your neighborhood. See how many sex offenders are there. Wow. They're most likely they will be there. And those are the ones who've been caught. And there's yeah. probably 10 times as many that haven't been caught. That's and a great tip, though, just for today. If, if that's one thing you get from this episode, it's one way to, you know, keep your uh, children more secure, to just know yeah. and be aware. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, um, any final words for our listeners? Well, <laughs> I really appreciate you giving this uh, subject a platform. Um, if if any of us adults, you know, these, okay, so here, here would be a good final word. These little kids, especially, they cannot tell their story. We have to tell their story. A little four-year-old kid can't tell their story. They don't know how to speak it. They don't have influence, especially if they're currently being abused. And know this, almost all abuse, like 95% or more, happens to a kid by somebody they know, yeah. by a relative or a friend of a relative. If you are, you think of your family, your aunts and uncles, grandpas, da -da -da, your extended family, and you think of their friends, if you think one of the little children in, in your family uh, might something might be happening to that child, look amongst your family mm. and think who could it be? Because, you know, often that kid wants to say something and won't be heard. And if the kid is, is, is saying something or feeling something out of order, believe the kid. They don't lie. Yeah. And uh, yeah, be aware of this stuff. It's awful. It, it's literally a battle. These creeps are literally waking up every day trying to destroy your children. That is what their goal is. And if you're not aware of it, um, you know, you ought to be. Yeah. Well, and that's why it was so important for us today to give this, uh, this topic a platform because, yeah. you know, that's what I've hoped that we've done today is increase awareness. Yeah. And provide uh, the resource that you're providing in your book and, and with your life. And, and of course, uh, the Rescue 11, you know, get behind that Overcomer Nation. Uh, that's a great thing to be involved in. Yeah. Um, and uh, will we find your artwork on your website? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that's yeah. Amazing. Now, I've been fortunate to do what I love most, you know, most of my life doing art. And I get a lot of opportunities. And, yeah, you can find it there. Or go to my another good portfolio of my artwork, obviously, is Instagram, just at Jimmy Toro. And, uh, yeah, fun stuff. All right. Well, Jimmy, thank you so much. Thank you for all that you do and all that you're doing. We appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. All right. Have a great day. Okay. Thanks for listening, Overcomer Nation. Make sure if you haven't already, give us a five-star rating. Make sure that you share this and subscribe so you can see all of our future content. That's right. And if you'd like to be a guest on a future show, go to overcomers-podcast.com. If you're interested in our franchise opportunities with Journey 333, then go to www.journeyfitness333.com. And finally, if you like what you heard today and you feel like you're somebody that needs a bit more coaching, go to travisbarnes.com. Yeah!